Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. Being autistic is often an invisible disability, but when you have more than one invisible disability, this only compounds your daily stress and can lead to overwhelm so much quicker. On today's episode, I talk with Joshua Schwartz about the invisible disability of hyperhidrosis and what people can do to help manage this. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Joshua, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? Yeah, so I received the later life diagnosis just a year and a half ago at age 26 after working with autistic adults for two years. And I took a break, studied psychology, and then I worked with autistic kids for another two years. Um, I had a mental breakdown doing that work with autistic children, which is a whole other story, which led me to articles online written by autistic adults. Um, and the content within those articles continuously resonated with me and compelled me to seek a diagnosis and connect with my people. And LinkedIn was the first online community of neurodivergent people that I found, which is where I met you. Absolutely. I've found so many great people through LinkedIn. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, truly. Now, you uh, recently received your uh, master's degree in uh, social welfare. So... I'm wondering, what do you hope now to do in terms of helping others to live better lives? Yeah, I, I hope to find a role as a mental health or a crisis therapist. Uh, my passions are supporting people's mental health journeys and being there for people during times of crisis. So for now, those are the types of roles I'm looking to perform. And so you're, you're a recent graduate, so are you currently seeking an employment? And if, and if so, how can employers get in touch with you uh, to give you an interview? Yeah, I'm definitely seeking employment currently. I'm looking for in-person work only currently in my location of Santa Cruz, California. And I can be reached by my email, uh, which is joshuamorganschwartz at gmail.com. There are way too many autistic people that unfortunately are in crisis at one point or another in their lives and may end up calling crisis service services for, for help. Recently, you um, were a crisis services intern, so I'm really interested. What did you learn from that experience? Yeah, I, I love this question um, because it's so true. And I did learn so much about that from this experience. Um, in particular, I learned two things that I feel like are pertinent to autists, which are that 
there are few crisis services in the United States that that don't come with police. And the other thing is that mainstream and police culture, I think, is largely responsible for the poor treatment of autists that happens during crisis calls. Um, the mainstream culture that I've seen has painted autists as very sick and weak. And, and I've seen this in my work. Uh, I saw when I was on a call, I saw one cop say to a client who had undiagnosed autism, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, the cop's attitude towards autism was that it, it's a bad thing, that it, that, it's a, that it sucks to have autism. Um, and, and this is a part of, of why we get treated so poorly by police. And on top of that, as a crisis services intern, I attended police trainings and briefings, and I observed police being trained to be suspicious of a lot of behaviors that autistic people express. So things like lack of eye contact, things like having a fast heart rate, um, these things are all criminalized in police culture. And, you know, police refer to all arrestees as bad guys. It, it really doesn't get any worse than police, in my opinion. And as I said, the police are woven into the crisis services in this country. So I think it's important to begin talking about how we can separate police from crisis services. And certainly any time you have to deal with the police, there's going to be anxiety and stress. So why wouldn't even, you know, you might not have done anything wrong at all and your heart rate is naturally just going to increase. Exactly, exactly. And yet they're trained to, to see that as criminal behavior somehow. And it, it just doesn't make any sense. Now something else that uh, you do is you write a blog called The Starving Artist. Uh, the blog uh, states that it's an exploration of neuroqueerity, gender vagary, and privilege. I don't know how often autistic and or disabled people think of themselves as privileged. So, so I'm interested, how do you see yourself as privileged? Yeah, certainly I think um, privilege is an interesting question and everybody sees their privilege in different ways. So I think it's important to talk about it um, and, and express sort of how I see my privilege, which is why I love this question. I see myself as extremely privileged, uh, you know, even as an autistic person, as a disabled person. Being a later life diagnosed autist definitely comes with its challenges and barriers. I don't want to ignore that. But it also allowed me to live for a very long time without the negative expectations and misperceptions that society often places on autists. You know, for example, a lot of early diagnosed autists um, are exposed to ABA therapy as children and can be traumatized by this experience or frequently traumatized by this experience. I, I'm thankful that I, I didn't grow up with that experience for sure. Um, so that's one example. And, and another one is that I'm officially you know, quote, officially, unquote, diagnosed, a lot of autists are not officially diagnosed um, and don't receive accommodations. So I, I definitely feel like I'm privileged by the accommodations that I receive sometimes. It's definitely not easy to get diagnosed. Yeah. <laughs> that is for sure. Now, uh, on your on your blog, there are so many great posts. Um, and 
one of your posts, you discuss having hyperhidrosis. I don't know if I pronounced that right or not. Yeah. Okay. And how it so often goes unrecognized and can be an invisible disability. For, for those that are, for our listeners that may not be aware, what is hyperhidrosis? Yeah, um, hyperhidrosis is something I experience and a lot of others experience, which is essentially excessive sweating, which occurs regardless of if it's hot or if you're moving around a lot. Um, and so I experience this excessive sweating on, on a daily basis and frequently throughout the day. Uh, it disrupts most things in my life. Um, I can't pet my cats without sweeping hair and dander into the air and getting stuck to my hands immediately. Uh, I can't touch my phone or a book or a remote or anything without staining it with sweat and dirt. So I have to constantly wash my hands if I don't want to do that. And this is just one example um, to illustrate another. Like I almost always sweat immediately following showers. So I have a difficulty drying off completely. And then this makes me averse to showering which is extremely frustrating. And I even, you know, in this frustration, uh, have suicidal thoughts, thoughts of, you know, wanting to be unalive uh, when I get frustrated by excessive sweating. Um, so it's a constant struggle to, um, you know, work on my inner voice and being gentle with myself. Mm. I always am like constantly thinking about the sensory impact of things. So do things like maybe touch, touch or texture or temperature or other sensory sensitivities, what, what effect do they have on hyperhidrosis? Yeah, I definitely think there's a link between my sensory sensitivities and hyperhidrosis. Um, I've always been sensitive to the textures of my clothing, anything that anything that touches my body. So the textures that I do prefer, um, they help reduce my sweating. Um, so it's always good if I can access preferred texture clothing and as well as preferred like ambient temperatures um, and having a dry air environment all really help me. So what type of textures are most helpful to you? Um, typically things that are soft and, and flexible and I think that there's also a, a sort of um, a fit issue, like certain bits of clothing feel better on my body than others. So it's also a little bit more than just texture and also the dimensions of the clothing that I'm wearing um, and the way that they lay on my skin. So other than like the texture of clothing, are there things that you or others can do to help uh, to manage your hyperhidrosis? Yeah, a big thing uh, for me as somebody with hyperhidrosis whose hands are a big part of my sweating um, is to ask people about shaking hands or about giving a hug um, before, you know, reaching out your hand or opening your arms because it puts pressure on the other person to say yes if you do that before, even before asking. Um, so really asking people about any type of contact I think is, is really good to do. And even further than that, just don't be grossed out by sweat if you want to shake somebody's hand or if you want to hug somebody. 
uh, learn to be not grossed out by that and accept people. I definitely don't need hugs from strangers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, you know, hopefully we're, you know, moving out of this, you know, the the pandemic. But I'm I'm wondering, hearing you talk talk, talk about handshakes and hugs and things like that was the was this time period helpful to you in regards to hyper your managing your hyperhidrosis certainly yeah i think it was kind of an unintended consequence of the pandemic for me that i sort of came into this uh confidence about about rejecting handshakes and rejecting hugs i think it was something about the the context of our of our social situation and, and the fear of spreading germs really just made me comfortable saying, I don't want to shake your hand because now I feel like I can lean more on other excuses than my hyperhidrosis. I can say like, I, I just, it's too much germs for me, you know? And I feel like people can understand that a lot more now after this pandemic. Um, and that way I don't have to out myself necessarily as having hyperhidrosis. If that's something I'm, I'm uncomfortable disclosing. Now, uh, I, I've received so many benefits from, you know, participating and being involved in sports. And anytime um, artistics are involved in any type of sport, I want to talk to them about it because right. for that reason. So I read that you've been attracted to martial arts your entire life. So what's it about martial arts that um, is connected so much with you? Yeah, I, I discovered martial arts when uh, I was young and experiencing a lot of trauma, a lot of bullying at school, and martial arts connected me with my body. It's really as simple as that, um, but the benefits are like just everywhere. Connecting with my body gives me so much. It gives me confidence in my, in my body. And it reduces the chronic dissociation I experience uh, when I practice regularly. It teaches me to be more aware of my environment and uh, provides opportunities for me to be grateful for my body's abilities, um, no matter how limited they might be in certain contexts. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Well, well, Joshua, I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks so much for making time to talk with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much to Joshua for the conversation. To read Joshua's blog, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. If you would like to learn beyond this podcast how Autism Personal Coach can help you to reduce your daily overwhelm and get the things you want in your life, then book a Zoom call with me today. A link to book the call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will have a conversation about entrepreneurship. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.